Welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 880. I didn't say hi because today is Tisha B'Av and traditionally we do not greet on Tisha B'Av. But I wanted to share an idea which I believe is of course relevant for Tisha B'Av, the ninth day of Av, and also relevant really for every day thereafter. Today's 10 is sponsored Le'ile Nishmas, Aryeh Le'i Ben David Avigdar by the Anfang family. So we know that one of the very well-known stories of the Churban Beis Hamikdash, one of the well-known stories of the destruction, is the story that is known as Kamtsa Ubar Kamtsa. So this story is a story which is rife with characters and has a lot going on, and so I'd like to just share the story as I've recently begun to read it. A little bit different than uh, maybe uh, others who read the story, and so let's see how it goes. So the Gemara begins in Gittin, it says, Amr Tamid, What does it mean when it says in Mishlei, in Proverbs, praiseworthy is the person who's always fearful. Somebody who is uh, not fearful, and the opposite it seems is stubborn, will fall in evil. And so he goes on to say, so the story of the Kamtz and Bar Kamtz, these two guys, caused the destruction of Jerusalem. So, how so? So he says, There was a person, and we'll call him, you know you gotta pick, pick a name, we don't know this guy's name, he's anonymous. So anonymous had a really close friend named Kamtz and had an enemy named Bar Kamtz. And you can understand where the confusion is going to occur. Avat Sudasa, he makes a meal, he makes a party. He tells his servant, Go, bring me Kamtsa. And he goes and brings the wrong guy. So it's an innocent mistake, except for the fact that for some reason Kamtsa does not come. Maybe he didn't hear about it, he wasn't invited, or maybe he was offended that he was not invited when he should have been. Instead, Bar Kamtsa comes and is sitting in the seat, I guess, that was supposed to be for Kamtsa. So the host of the party says to him, My boy is Hacha, what are you doing here? Kumpuk, get out of here, Amalai. Listen, I get it. You don't want me here. We're not friends. I thought maybe this was some sort of conciliation. It's not. But here, I'll pay my way. Don't throw me out. Amalai Lowy says, No, get out. Amalai, come, please. Uh, I'll, I'll don't don't kick me out. I'll pay half of the Suda. He says, No, absolutely not. He offers to pay for the entire Suda, which, by the way, I mean, that's incredible. And he does not take him up on it. And instead, he throws him out. The Gemara then quickly switches and shows the perspective of Amar that Kamtza, I'm sorry, that Bar Kamtza, who got thrown out, says, The Rabbanon saw this whole thing. They were sitting at the table and they saw the whole thing go down and they didn't protest. And therefore it seems that they must have enjoyed it. So he says, you know, I'm going to go and conspire against the Jewish the Jewish community, the leaders, and I'm going to tell the Caesar, and he goes and he does so, that the Jews have rebelled. So the Caesar says, what are you talking about? Who says? How do you know? He says, Shadar lehu kurbana, send a karban, send a sacrifice, and chazus in mekraven see if they bring your sacrifice. Obviously, if they bring it, they're cool with you, they're great. If they don't bring it, clearly there's an issue. So, indeed, he goes and he sends the carbon because the Caesar wants to check this out, and Bar Kamtza, on the way, creates some sort of mum, absurd, blemish, disqualification that makes this carbon no good. And again, this was a very a uh, very fine distinction that the, the Jews would consider no good. I guess the Gentiles would not have noticed this blemish. Okay, he gets to the Beis HaMikdash. And they don't know what to do, because this Karban has this blemish. The Rabbanan 
wanted to bring it because, listen, for the sake of the king, how is the Caesar going to react if we don't bring his carbon? And they were correct. He didn't ultimately react very well. says, yeah, except for the fact, maybe we should bring the carbon, except for the fact that Yomru, people are going to say that what? They're going to say, Balimuvin Krivin Lagabim is That a Balmum. Uh, an animal with a blemish could be born on the Mizbeach. We don't want people to say that. So So they said, okay, so if we're not going to bring the carbon, we can't have him go back and tell the Caesar that we didn't bring the carbon, so we got to kill this guy. Because if he goes and tells the Caesar, we're in all sorts of trouble. So then Rebbe said again, yeah, but if we kill the guy, people are going to say, hey, we kill people for making a mum in making a blemish in a carbon. And that's also not right. So they end up not bringing the carbon, they end up not killing him, they do nothing, and he ends up reporting back to the Caesar that the carbon was not brought. The Caesar therefore concludes that they are rebelling. He, the Gemara then concludes, Am Rabbi Yochanan, An Vesanusa Shorab Zechayben Avkula, Sachriva Espeitenu, Sarifa Sechalenu Veglisinu Meratzenu. The humility or the inaction of Rabbi Zechayben Avkula destroyed our temple, burned our sanctuary, and exiled us from our land. The story concludes, I mean, the story goes on to talk about more Jews, but we'll just stop it here with Nero Kaiser, some uh, person, maybe Nero who comes, and he is tasked with going and destroying Jerusalem. He throws, uh, shoots a bunch of arrows in multiple directions, all of them head towards Jerusalem. He becomes confident from that, that he is supposed to go and attack Jerusalem. He bumps into some kids, asks what they're learning, and he hears from there about vengeance that will one day be meted upon Edom for destroying Jerusalem. And he says, you know what, I'm not interested. He converts, and he ends up being mayor's grandfather. And so it's really interesting because when you try to figure out what was Rabbi Yochanan's original point when he said what exactly, who was the villain over here? And this is what is most remarkable about this story. Pretty much every single character did something wrong. Okay, so first there's the host. Of course the host did something wrong by kicking out Bar Kamsa. Again, he even offered to pay his whole, like what was the principled reaction that he had over here? He said, ah, you gotta get out of here. I mean, come on. Let the guy stay. Now, the shamish, the person who invited the wrong guy, maybe you got to be careful. you got to make sure that you invite the right person because uh, who knows how others are going to react, so you got to be careful. Kamta himself, you know, Kamta is interesting. He ends up getting named in the title of the story, right? It's the story of Kamta and Bar Kamta. Kamta did nothing. He was home the whole time. But then again, why was he home? I've seen it suggested that, you know, if your good friend is making a party and you don't show up because you didn't get an invitation, maybe, maybe like, the invitation was lost in the mail. Give him the benefit of the doubt. But he's probably sitting at home, stewing over the fact that he didn't get an invitation. And then, when the host shows up and he sees that his good friend isn't there, and Bar Kamsa is there instead, he gets all the more upset. Imagine if Kamsa had showed, and Bar Kamsa also had showed. Would that have been as bad? Would the host have reacted in such a negative way? Perhaps we could suggest, surmise, we can guess that he would not. Maybe that's why Kamsa is also listed as one of the villains of the story. And then we have the Rabbanon, the Chachamim who sat by idly and did nothing while Bar Kamsa was being thrown out of the party. Couldn't they have said something? Somebody could have said, hey, buddy, relax. You don't have to throw him out. He wants to pay for your whole party. I don't know if they would have let that happen. But listen, he, he, he let him stay. It's going to be terribly embarrassing. Somebody could have said something. And then you have the people who react to what, what are we going to do with the carbon when it gets brought to the base of Migdash? Namely, Reb Zechari ben Avkulas. Reb Zechari ben Avkulas is worried. Yomru, people will say, who are these people? Like, who are these people who are going to be so obtuse as to not understand what happened over here? And they're going to decide to learn, oh, you see, from here we could bring blemished animals to the Mizbeach. I mean, come on, this is not the story that we should worry that people are going to learn such a thing. 
We should not worry from here. Oh, you see, you can kill somebody for uh, blemishing an animal. Come on. I mean, those Yomer, whoever those people are, what kind of person would say that? That Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulas has to be worried about you. And also Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulas. Why are you worried about these people? Uh, something needed to be done over here to protect the Jewish people. And the fact that you didn't step up, he's also blamed by Rabbi Yochanan. And what's really fascinating is that pretty much everybody shares a little bit of this. And I've shared this a couple times recently because this is not just a story. It's a template. It's a template for how we're supposed to understand the negative things that happen to us. And when we try to pin blame, we, we generally tend to point fingers in other people's directions. And let's say, for example, the Churban, the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Who destroyed the Beis HaMikdash? The answer is, you'd say, the Romans. But here's what's so interesting about the story. The Romans, the Caesar, Nero, these guys are the fairest-minded and most objective and calm people in the entire story. Caesar is confronted by Bar Kamta. He says, but listen, I, uh, I, I tell you, the Jews are rebelling. He says, you know, maybe he's bloodthirsty. Maybe he says, oh, this is a great excuse to go and kill the Jews. Oh, no, nothing like that. He says, who says? And until Bar Kamta comes up with a whole way to test the premise, and he goes and he tests, and the Jews fail, Caesar's not moving. He's not making a move. Nero, this is the same way. He objectively takes in all the facts and decides, is it right to go against Jerusalem or is it not right to go against Jerusalem? He decides, maybe it is, but I'm not going to be the one to do it. And so in all of this story that Rabbi Yochanan presents, everybody is terrible, except for the Romans. The Romans were the only ones who did nothing wrong here. And this is how perhaps we are meant to look at a lot of the stories that affect us negatively. Whose fault are they really? We always point fingers. We like that the villain is this person or that person. But what is our own culpability? And do we ever take that question seriously? Going back to that very first Pasuk, Rabbi Yochanan says, A person should be a little bit nervous. When bad things happen, maybe it is you. A person who is too stubborn to see that. A person is too stubborn to realize that we all possibly have some culpability, every single one of us, not only in the churban, but also in the negative interactions and the bad stories that we have in our own life. We might bear some responsibility. If we're able to comprehend that and accept that, we will not be Yipol Berah.